Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Welcome to Too Smart for This, a podcast dedicated to knowing better and doing better for ourselves and others, hosted by me, Alexis Barber. In this show, we invite real people and experts to share their stories about how they navigate an ever-demanding society and talk about the personal decisions we make from career to health and wellness. Let's get into it. everyone and welcome to another episode of Too Smart for This. I am so excited about today's episode because I have brought on my friend Maxine Luthia who is a professional astrologer. Um, I know astrology can be something that a lot of people aren't necessarily interested in or are weird about it but if you listen to this episode I'm sure you will be extremely enticed and interested to hear what it is all about. I met Maxine because she is the founder and the co-host of the Astrology and You podcast, which is co-hosted with her friend Alice Bell, and they make incredible episodes every Sunday about the basics of astrology and use examples, which is really helpful. So if you're interested or a beginner or new to astrology, that's a great place to start. I ended up booking a reading with Maxine and we went over my birth chart and in today's episode we use my birth chart as an example for many of the things that you learn in astrology so that should be fun you can know all my business if you want to book a reading with Maxine you can find her at maxineluthia.com m-a-x-i-n-e-l-u-z-i-a.com and you can also follow her on Instagram at the same name and listen to her podcast Astrology and You hosted with Alice Bell that comes out every Sunday. Now let's get into the episode. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Here we go. Okay. Welcome to the podcast, Maxine. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Alexis. Thank you so much for reaching out. Of course. I love your podcast, Astrology and You, that you do with Alice, and yeah. it's taught me so much about astrology. Um, it's like the perfect thing that I was looking for because I couldn't find a good podcast about astrology for so long, and there was like those super long ones, you know, like Chris Brennan, like three-hour podcasts, and I was like, I can't do this, so <laughs> I'm so happy because it's such a good baseline for people who are getting into astrology. So what was the like ex- decision to start that? Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, so Alice and I, Alice is like my co-host as well and we've known each other since college and um we got into astrology around the same exact time and when we first started out we like we're just looking for resources that were a little bit more 
I don't know, more accessible, something like a podcast. I love that it's free and people can access it and integrate in a way that's really accessible. And um, yeah, like you said, it's not like super long or in depth and it's just kind of the resource that we wanted when we were starting out. So we just wanted to give that to people and like connect with more like-minded souls, really. was muted. So I love that so much. I think it's like a it's always what content creation a great like goal is is like what did I wish that I had. So I love that. Mm. So I'd love to hear more about how you got into astrology and what mm. has led you to becoming a full-time astrologer now. Oh, yes. Okay, so I got into astrology about 4 years ago now and it re- that was like when I went from being like intrigued to being like, oh, this actually goes so much deeper than just your sun sign. And it's a tool to be used like in your self-discovery. And I think I, I went from lear- thinking it was just something that was just future oriented to being like, oh, you actually get to really – develop this deeper understanding of yourself and other people and all the different facets of yourself like and that was when it kind of became something that I became you know I just went down the rabbit hole of learning everything there was to know about astrology I have a very like obsessive personality when it comes to learning things Um, but yeah and so I got into astrology and honestly I just haven't looked back since I since I started learning it and it just kind of picked up more and more Um, We talked about this before, but I got to a point where I was Mm -hmm. also in another full-time job and um, people were telling me like, Maxine, you have to quit that job. Like it's not like energetically, it's draining you. And and I I was in a place where I could because I had already like I had enough clients and stuff to where I could. But I knew also from my birth chart and just who I am, the type of person, it really takes me a lot more to take like that leap of faith when it comes to things like financial security and such. So, um, but yeah, I took that. I, I know you're the similar way too. <laughs> yes, but you took the leap. Yes, I, I know. I'm so, so this has been two months ago now only so it's if it, it feels like very very recent and i am just i'm so grateful for it i it's it's so much easier said than done though too and i think for a long time something that i just want to tell anyone listening to like if you have something that you're really passionate about just literally think about your energy going into it as watering it and feeding it and for such a long time i was part time doing astrology and like I was comfortable doing that Um, and it it didn't make me less of an astrologer having something on the side. You know, I think that's something too often people write that off as, oh, it's just a side thing. But that was Mm. where really my heart was. For sure. It's like um, I feel like there's – it's okay to – build something and water it on the side for a long time. And that makes – that is where your energy goes. I mean, just because like I do something for eight hours a day versus four hours a day doesn't mean that one of them is like less important to me. Absolutely. That is the message that I have learned so much through all of this. And and yeah, and I – one thing, it was nice that when I had the other job, I was able to rely on it more financially so I could charge lower prices, which I did like, but I just felt there became a point where I was like, oh, okay, like my energy, I can give so much more to my clients if I completely focus just on Mm. astrology. 
I love that. And so has it been like tough building your own structure ever since? Oh my gosh. You know what, Alexis? It's (laughs) wild. The universe freaking surprises us. Like, no, it hasn't been. Oh my God, love that for you. I thought it would. And I I can't even believe I'm saying this, but it has just been such a smooth transition. Like when you show up 100% and people can sense that you're not holding back, that you're being more authentic. And and that's so what I wanted. Like um, I'm not someone who typically can show their face easily. And I've started doing like videos and stuff and putting myself out there more vulnerably. And that mm. has been received in kind so much. So it, it's it, well, it's amazing. You're doing such a great job. And like what you and Alice have done with the podcast even is just so impressive. So I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so mm. glad it's being received that way. Yeah, it's awesome. So what um to dive deeper into your journey with astrology, like what was like the first thing that got you um or like, I guess maybe even to go back further, what for you, like what did you grow up with in terms of spirituality and mm-hmm. where did astrology start to play into that the about 4 years ago when you got interested in it? Okay, I love this question. I haven't been asked it in such in depth. So I grew up Christian in a small t- rural town in Wisconsin. Like same, but in Missouri. So <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> yes. Um, and so yeah, it was just um I really was always drawn to something being bigger than myself. I've always resonated with there being some divine force, you know. And um, but I think that what astrology has really given me, and this goes beyond just astrology, like the whole idea of spirituality being more of something that is so one of a kind and experienced at the individual personal level. Um, That is something that really, really struck me as being like, oh, this is what I wanted. And it's, I love that it's so accessible to so many people and it really gets to be what you make it. For sure. And it's something that you don't necessarily like, there's no like rules with it. It's something where you take this information, you learn about yourself and that itself empowers you. It's like not every human has to aspire to be this one perfect thing. In fact, you can aspire to be the best version of just you. I love that. Exactly. Like that is mm-hmm. that is so how I feel. And I really like the word you used, empowering, because astrology more than any other tool I have ever come across like yoga, self-help books, like courses, like just being able to really dive into my own birth chart and then beyond that, like learning about transits, progressions, like the year ahead and kind of like learning where, what is my energy and really owning my part of who I am. That has been so empowering for me. Um, for sure. Yeah. Like, so I, for example, I have a Scorpio moon. So people listening who have a lot of Scorpio might resonate with this. But um, so in astrology, that was the part that when I learned about my Scorpio moon, it really like struck me as, ooh, okay. Like I I know Mm. I need to learn a little bit here because Scorpio moon can manifest, like all these energies manifest in different ways. And so I'm someone who for a large part of my life always tried to, you know, control other situations, other people, like fix things. And and then I learned it wasn't working for me. And I kind of learned through astrology, through learning about my birth chart, that I'm actually here to control myself and mm. to allow people to come to me when they are ready. And 
that has changed how I show up in the world so much. And I'm, I feel like I can appreciate people so much better for where they are in their individual journeys without judgment. For sure. And that brings up an interesting question that I feel like is pretty common in the, which you talked about in your most recent episode, which is that astrology is prescriptive. Like people really think that it's something that you can't control or you can't like just because of your sign, like you're doomed or something like that. Mm. And like, obviously you could have felt like that with your Scorpio moon, but um, how can, can you like debunk that for us and talk about like how astrology is not necessarily like telling you like <laughs> you have to be like a horrible person? <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yes, when I first started, when I kind of knew about astrology, all I understood was like, these horoscopes are putting me in a box. I don't like this. I actually was really adverse to it because of that. Like I'm, I don't mm. like people telling me what to do. And so, so, or like trying to think that they know who I am. And so at first I thought, well, okay, astrology from that lens is like, how is that helpful to connect people and to know people in a deeper way? But actually, I got to thinking about how, well, we're we're always defining one another. Like we're always saying, like you hear people saying, oh, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert or I'm this or I'm that. Those are literally like one or another, black or white, you know? And so then I yeah. thought about how, well, your sun sign, that's like one of 12 different energy archetypes. And then combine that with your moon, that's 144. And then like sun, moon rising alone, not to get into everything else of all the other planets, aspects, signs, etc. That's like almost 2000 combinations. So it actually like takes you out of the box. And on top of that, you have free will. And I definitely believe that what energy you have understanding and owning that, then from there, you're able to say, oh, I don't like how I'm showing up in this area of my life. How can I take better charge of this energy and see it manifest in ways that are constructive for me and the people around me. Absolutely. I love that. That I love that so much of recognizing there's tons of different energies and archetypes and the fact that we have like these personality types and there's only like 10 of them for a lot of people depending on, you know, which one you choose, whether it's Enneagrams, all that type of thing. Like those are also putting people in boxes and people use those more often to define others. Whereas like astrology, it's very, very, very broad, but it's it's more helpful because then you can use it as a tool to understand like why you may be acting a certain way and then make a change that you can have a better experience. And um, I have had experience with that in my own life and looking at my own birth chart of which we can get into later. But I think that's such a great, like a great example. Oh, yes. And I, it's just, again, like even with, as you were saying, it's, people tend to sometimes blame astrology for things. And like, that is not the lens I go about astrology for. It's exactly like you said, like really getting an understanding of the energy you have to work with. And sometimes like when you shine a spotlight on these areas of yourself, you may not have consciously registered as part of you. It helps you so much more to like really take even a greater step of responsibility and ownership of your life. Absolutely. And ownership is the best part. I mean, like when you grow up or I guess I grew up in like this aspiration to be a certain type of person and and not really be able to have my own choices in life because they needed to reflect other people's values. 
I found that like in in learning about astrology, which has only really been going on for me for about like five months now, um, in learning about it, I was like, okay, this is who I am and that's okay. And like, that's wonderful. Yes. And now it's about figuring how out how I can be better in certain areas of my life. And Though it for me was so crazy when we did our reading this week because a lot of the like things you were telling me with with barely knowing me aligned really very closely with who I was and my experiences. So I would really love to also go ahead before we get into like my specific birth chart and debunking the myths and questions I had about that. I'd love to know for you um, to debunk a few listener myths about astrology if you're down. Oh, yes. This is my favorite thing to do. So (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. Okay. So uh, one that someone asked me, which now I like need to know, is (laughs) why do twins have different personalities if they're born at the same time? Okay. So this is one of my favorite Question. I get asked this all the time. Um, and actually, I do readings for twins like together, and it is my, oh my favorite gosh. type of reading to do. It's I want so you to fun. do it for my baby sisters. Oh my gosh, you have sisters or twins? I did not know that. Yes, they're six years old. Oh they're my twins. gosh. Okay, yeah. So this will speak to you. Um, I'm so curious your opinion. Um, so two things to this. Number one, like your birth, the birth chart of twins is not always the same. Like there's always one twin typically who, you know, has a little bit different birth time exactly. Because again, the birth chart is made for the specific time that you were born, place you were born, etc. Um, so even if it's four minutes different, the ascendant changes one degree. Um, and then there are other planets that move a little slower. So there can be differences, which explain a little bit, especially when you get into aspects, because those need to be so exact. Like one degree does matter. <laughs> um So that is part one. Part two, though, is that, okay, let's say they were born at the exact same second, right? Um, Actually, that birth chart represents both of them. They still have the same birth chart, but I find that twins actually almost separate the birth chart at birth. Like one of them, kind of like almost the alpha twin, kind of takes on certain qualities and characteristics, and then the other one has the other side to that. So in wow. that, yeah, okay. <laughs> Not, and I could go into this so much more. Like I, we could do an episode just on twins. So wow, that's so interesting. Okay, I won't make you go into it too much, but that makes <laughs> sense because my baby sisters were born at the well, t- were like it was a C-section, so they came out like yeah. exactly at the same time. I think nobody was awake to watch in our family, but mm-hmm. we call them baby A and baby B only based on the um only based on like the ultrasounds beforehand but the thing is like it's just like they're they're already a little bit different and i could definitely see that either way we don't need to spend too much time on it before we get to the next um so another one that you talked about in your most recent episode was um are all astrologers witches and do all astrologers do tarot cards because I don't know anything about tarot cards myself right now. Um, It just seems it's like a next level thing that I am not at yet. So what is your take on that? Oh my gosh. Okay. So first of all, it's kind of funny because I I do do tarot. So it's kind of like I'm feeding into that stereotype, I guess. Um, But astrology definitely came first for me. And 
So astrology is not something that is like – it's not like we're reading your mind or anything. It's totally based on the mathematical graph formulated at the exact time, location, place of your birth, right? So um, mm-hmm. in that sense, when I'm doing a, a reading, it's not just kind of like channeling different realms or something. It's entirely me just connecting with you as a person, as a soul, and looking at your birth chart, which is a map kind of back home to yourself. Like it tells you about your energy, your gifts, and your talents. And all of this, though, is based on specifically where the planets fell relative to baby you when you were born. So it's it's not something that I just intuitively feel entirely. It's like very mm. much like this is what your birth chart is telling me. And, and some of that is like intuition, but it's never dark and it's never scary. And the way I use astrology is very much rooted in like believing that the universe only wants the best for you. Yeah. I love your positive approach so much to it because like when I talk to you or even just like your energy is incredibly positive and I love that. Um, but, but like even in our, in our reading, I didn't feel negatively about anything happening in my life, even though the astrology and the experiences of the last year of 2020 were just so negative for so many people, mm. you know? So I think having that like positive approach is so helpful to like the way you've 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 done astrology too. Yeah, I I mean I'm such a believer that um I haven't always been, but I really really try to stay positive because I just so firmly believe that what our thoughts are and such like it creates your reality. And so when I look at a birth chart, it's all about we call it readings, but it's really interpreting your birth chart, right? So like, Mm -hmm. of course, there are some things that you could choose to interpret positively or negatively, but like, how is that helpful to you at all, right? And like, Mm -hmm. this goes into you get to create your reality. So why not make it a beautiful one? Yeah. So that leads me to another question that I've struggled with ever since learning about astrology, and that is the intersection with the law of attraction and manifestation and stuff. So I know that there are people or astrologers or anyone who are like, it's not good to manifest on like certain days or whatever, or like whatever you call, like, I just feel like it gets really complicated. So if you're someone like me, who's like a beginner, like, yes, I've had like one reading, but I still have a lot of goals I'm working towards. Like, how can I use astrology as a tool to really bring in law of attraction and like manifestation into my life? Mm, That's beautiful. So, yeah, I think the number one thing to kind of dispel is that there's no one size fits all when it comes to astrology or even manifestation tools. Like, I'm a huge believer that everyone is so different. And I get a lot of people, as an example, coming to me who have a lot of mutable energy in their chart. So that's Gemini, Sagittarius, um, all of these signs that are kind of actually more they're, they're very much more playful. Like, so when someone tells you, oh, you have to manifest in this way by getting super clear on your vision or even boundaries Mm. or something like that is not going to work for them. That is not what their soul craves. So in that sense, it's like astrology can help you kind of understand first of all, like it's first really helpful to get a birth chart reading and work on understanding that energy that you always have and you're working Mm. on throughout your life. Um, And that helps in that area of manifesting. And then also, number two, looking to the future energy. So kind of seeing what energy do I have available to me now in the next six months to kind of help me to 
go with the flow of that energy rather than resisting it. Mm, I love that. So can we use my birth chart as an example of this Um, and how – Like for me, I know I have a stellium in my ninth house of Sagittarius, and um, that means I have three or more personal planets in one sign, Mm -hmm. and how that along with like this current like age of Aquarius like plays into things. So the first question for that Mm -hmm. would be like, how does that Sagittarius energy show up when I like want to manifest things? And it is kind of hard for me to get super clear on what I want because if a good new idea jumps up, like I'm going to go after it full force. Oh, yes. Okay. So exactly. So it's really interesting because that Sagittarius energy for you is all about like it's so driven, so motivated, and it's really good at starting new projects and like having a belief and turning it into a vision. And so what's cool about your chart, which we talked about, is you have a ton of that fire energy, kind of like that self-starter, like, oh my goodness. Um, And then at the same time, though, you have the ability to ground it really easily because, for example, you have Saturn in the first house, which is kind of a very grounded, earthy energy. So it kind of allows you to have these ideas, but okay, let's make them realistic. Let's turn these ideas into concrete things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that like Saturn in the first – and Saturn is the planet of like boundaries, correct? Yeah. So Saturn is the planet that kind of represents its boundaries. It wants structure. I like to think of it as the teacher, but the teacher of hard knocks in life. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's very much like it wants you to be responsible. Like you having it in the first house is like, okay, you probably had to take on a lot of responsibility early in life. Like this is something that – is really rooted in wanting that structure for yourself and you come off to people as Aries rising, which is very like a go-getter, an initiator, but then also you come off as very responsible, very like an authority in your field of knowledge. So it's kind of a combination of the two. Absolutely. And now I'm recognizing that for anyone who might be listening, they might not understand like houses and rising signs. So we should probably backtrack a little bit. So when you are looking at a birth chart, what are some things you should know about your rising sign, about your sun, moon rising, and about the 12 houses? Okay. So if you are totally new to astrology, a little astrology 101, um, The best thing to focus on in your birth chart, um, you can find this online if you look up birth chart generator just to make it accessible to anyone. And you enter your time of birth, your date, and the location. So it gives you a birth chart. And what you're looking at is what we discussed, like where all the planets fell when you were born. Your sun, moon, and rising sign are the three most important when you're first getting started. So look to that. And your sun sign is the one when someone asks you, like, what is your sun? What is your sign? That's what you would say. So for you, Alexis, yours is in Sagittarius. Um, And then the moon sign is where the moon was when you were born. And that tells you more about who you are in your private life when you're at home. It's a kind of part of you that is more subconscious and it shows what your emotional needs are. Like what do you need to feel good about yourself and safe and nurtured? So Mm -hmm. whereas the sun is more like, oh, this is my creative expression. This is like so where I want to shine in life. Your moon is kind of like the flip side of that coin. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So you need both. Um, and sometimes people tend to identify more with their moon sign based on their placement. Um, for you, Alexis, I think you probably identify more with your sun sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my Leo moon sometimes – I can't handle it. <laughs> so it's like you would still identify with it and stuff because especially it is in a fire sign. So that's really complementary to a fire sun. Like that, that is like, okay, these energies, obviously fire sign Sagittarius, fire sign Leo, they mesh really well. But um, sometimes you get like for myself, I have my sun and moon exactly opposite one another. So it isn't a beautiful trine like you have. It's like an energy where what I what I feel like I need emotionally doesn't always align with how I want to express myself. Yes, for sure. And it's about like managing that. So then how does the yeah. rising play into it? Exactly. So th that's your sun and your moon, sun expression, moon, what you need emotionally. And then your rising sign plays into this. It's not just like this superficial how the world sees me, how the world sees – like how I see the world, how the world sees me. It is that and more. It's really about like this is your first breath of life, your ascendant. And it tells you what are like your innate gifts and capabilities you have um, that you can access really readily, like in a tough situation when you're frustrated or challenged or when you're first meeting someone for the first time and might have anxiety like in doing something new. Like these are kind of – this energy of your rising sign is something you can tap into like super quickly. Absolutely. That's so helpful. And the rest of the planets all have different meanings and they all fall into these 12 houses. So what are these 12 – like what does that whole system look like? Yes. So that is your sun, moon, rising. And then in addition to having a sign that each of those planets fall into, they also fall into what is called a house. But it's really like an area of life where that planet plays out more strongly. So for you, Alexis, you have, for example, your son in the ninth house. And that just means in the area of life when it comes to like wanting to learn more, wanting to share your knowledge with the world, get it out there, be adventurous, like all of these things mean so much to you because your son shows where you want to shine. Absolutely. Okay, that makes more sense. And then anyone who wants to learn more about like what each of these signs or houses means can definitely like take a listen to your podcast or anything. Absolutely. But what if you don't have any planets in a house? Okay, so if you have no planets that fall into one of these areas of life or houses, that is totally fine. Like it's called an empty house is the official term, but it doesn't mean that it is empty in the sense like, oh, I, I can't tap into this energy. Like for example, the seventh house rules long-term relationships and marriage. So sometimes I get people like, oh no, I don't have any planets there. What does that mean? <laughs> um, but it's nothing to be like worried about. It just it just means that actually for to understand more about that, you can look to the sign that corresponds with that house or area of life. So um, for example, if you have like uh, Alexis, you actually have a planet in the seventh, but in if you the didn't second house because I don't okay, have the, the one like I don't have any but I yeah. but that's the house of money. So like how do I know? Right, right, right. So you're like, oh no, what does this mean? Um so the second house for you is ruled by Taurus. Even though it has no planets, your ruling planet of Taurus is um, is Venus. So that can give you hints 
if you look to see where Venus is in your birth chart, which is in the ninth house near your sun and near your Mm. midheaven. So it actually is such a good placement for really like what you're doing in your job for a career and work. Um, It actually aligns like the more you're expressing yourself fully, the sun, um, you will be better off getting more money in your career like it's so integral that you are actually expressing all of yourself in order to make money absolutely oh my gosh so see how this all aligns y'all like it's so crazy um that's awesome so when it comes to like looking at birth chart and like the generalizations about the signs and that type of thing like people are wondering two things like one should you read your horoscope for your rising sign your moon sign or your sun sign or all three good question okay so how a birth chart works. Well, basically, long story short, read it for your rising and sun sign. I would recommend that, not your moon sign. That's not going to make sense just by the way that we do horoscopes. Um, it's based mm-hmm. on a, holer, a solar house system. So it takes your sun as a very, very important part of your birth chart, which it is because the sun is like, it's where you want to shine in life. If you are having a healthy sun, it's like, you're being, you feel very fulfilled. So Mm. read it for that. And then also your rising sign, because in horoscopes, you kind of act like your sun is the start of the birth chart. So it's confusing kind of when I'm saying it, I'm realizing, but sun sign, rising sign, no moon. Got it. That's so helpful. And then to go back to my original question of using um, uh, astrology to really think about like the future or the next like six months of your life, like I, that's something I'm, I'm not into. I've been exploring my own birth chart for a while, but I don't really fully understand what it means to like think about the future or like how that manifests in your life and how to plan for that and know that like, oh, something negative could be happening, but I can like plan for that and work around it. Like Mm -hmm. how does that work um, at least like for on an astrological basis and how can someone who's like normal like me think about that? (laughs) I love that. Okay. So Yes, I love to use this. I use this a lot when I'm going through something really tough. I look at the transits is what you call it um, to kind of see like, okay, there's an end to this. I can like see that in sight and that really helps me to get through tough times. So if you're curious about that, first of all, transits, what even are they? I get that question a lot. It's basically yes. the <laughs> yeah. Start off with the basics, right? So transits are the real time movements of the planets and then how they affect your birth chart will look different for each person because everyone's birth chart is so incredibly unique. So mm-hmm. for example, um, right now as we're recording this, um, the moon is in Sagittarius. So even this her. is a yeah, <laughs> this is a really wonderful place to start. If you're like, I want to get more into astrology and using transits, look at the lunar cycle. So right now the moon is in Sagittarius. This on your birth chart, Alexis, is the ninth house. This is where you have your stellium, right? Mm-hmm. So this is an awesome time. It's literally like your personal new moon. 
because so even though it's a waning moon and people might say, oh, like don't start things during this time for you, you might be like, but I feel like starting something new right now because the transiting moon or where the moon is right right now, it will fall on your sun when it gets to 15 degrees because that's where your natal or birth Mm -hmm. chart sun is. And so it's kind of really like – You may have felt yesterday when it was like just moved into there, it went over your Mercury. So like you were probably like maybe more emotional, but definitely like a lot of restless energy. Mm -hmm. Today for sure. And lots of like, I've had like a few big wins happen over the last like today itself. Yes. Okay. So the moon is honestly over Pluto as we're talking. So this is like Pluto is the planet of deep train, deep change and transformation. So at this time, whenever the moon transiting goes over your natal Pluto, wherever it is in your birth chart, you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to like reorganize this some part of my life. Mm, and I was doing that with my business yesterday. So, <laughs> And today, actually more today than yesterday because it was really busy yesterday, but amazing. Yeah. So yeah, continue. Yeah, so exactly. So basically, like, that's an example of a train. Hello? Oh, no. Energy of kind of, like, being more open to other people and such or wanting to start new projects, like, getting ideas and such. But then for you specifically, when you put it next to your birth chart, it's like, oh, this makes so much more sense. And it's less generalized, right? Like a lot of people Mm. say, oh, astrology is so generalized. But that's because like you can't – without getting like a one-on-one reading or looking at it yourself, like it's going to seem that way. Of course. And so for me, a big thing I didn't really align with in my chart was that I'm a Sagittarius sun and I have a Sagittarius Venus. And so everyone on Twitter and on Instagram and the memes always says like, oh, Sagittarius like doesn't know how to commit to a relationship. Like they will never be with someone. Like they're always have like a new like lover or something, right? But I've been with my boyfriend for about almost exactly four years this weekend. So I'm wondering, can we talk about that? Like how does, why does that not show up in my chart even though it is the stereotype? Mm, I love that. Okay. So, so yeah, there is such a difference between what you said, like kind of pop astrology um, that's very consumable on the internet versus like actual like real nitty-gritty astrology. Um, And for you and your birth chart, like Venus is not the only indicator of love. So Venus, for a background, is the planet of love, among other things. So sometimes people might think, oh, like this is totally dependent on how you approach love. But actually, what's something that is so much more depending upon like tells you so much more about how you'll approach love is your seventh house. That's for like those committed long-term relationships. Whereas mm-hmm. Venus kind of shows who you're intrigued by or your interests, like things like that. It's more about liking someone. So you're probably attracted to your partner maybe because they have an open mind, which is Sagittarius, or you like to experience love with someone, like going on adventures with them, traveling, like, or mm-hmm. starting new projects or new ventures yourself. Um, So that is kind of like more so what Venus would indicate. And then also needing maybe independence within your love relationships. 
Got it. See, that makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. in a, in my personal relationship. So <laughs> um, that brings me to the question of wondering, like within your birth chart, I, I remember you mentioned that I had, I think they're called aspects, like mm-hmm. like how the planets interact with each other in my chart. So are they like – can you explain what those mean? And I know that there's like different like square, trine, et cetera. Like, could you talk more about like how, what to look for in your own birth chart and like the, how the planets interact with each other? Absolutely. So yeah, aspects are exactly what you said. It's how planet A relates to planet B and they're what we call harmonious aspects, which basically they just, they get one another. They flow together well, like it indicates good energy. And then whereas there's also there are also aspects on the flip side that are called like not as harmonious energy. So that's that's a big difference. Like for example, trines where you have kind of your sun trine the moon. We were talking about that earlier. That's like a really fluid energy. So that's really beautiful for how your sun, how you express yourself relates to your moon, like your emotional side. Versus um, if someone had their sun square their moon, this always indicates like kind of confliction of how you want to express yourself versus like what you need to feel like emotionally good about yourself. And it's not anything negative, like you're not doomed if you have your sun square moon. It just really shows up as like this deep inner tension to kind of work out that part of your life. Like you really want to find some type of a way where these two energies can come together more easily. And this usually happens as you get older and mature and have more life experience. It gets so much more easier. Right. And so you talked about this um, with me before, which is like that your birth chart is a map of your whole life. It's not Mm -hmm. just like how you're going to feel one day to the next. And so some things might not make sense. Um, could you talk more about that and like how getting older affects it? Yes, totally. Okay. So for example, um, it's kind of like you've probably heard of your Saturn return, for example, and mm-hmm. your Saturn return kind of shows like a maturation of your birth chart itself because it's like the different lessons you're going through. Like your whole birth chart is – a a snapshot of your life. So like when you hear different things that you need to – like different aspects that aren't harmonious, that points to a lesson in your life that you're going to have repeated over and over and over until you learn how to kind of integrate that into your Mm -hmm. life in a way that works for you. So it's not something to be overwhelmed about being like, oh, like when do I have to do this? It's like we are – I take astrology from a spiritual perspective. So in that sense, it's like you, your soul is here to grow and evolve and astrology shows you those areas, but it also is like, trust the timing that it will unfold and you don't have to rush these things. Like you will learn it as long as you're being open to life. Yes. So is there an example you could see in my chart that's like a not so harmonious aspect that like you think might be a lesson I'm learning a lot over my lifetime? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to start. I like to start with something positive and then I'll go into the Love that. I'll give two examples. Um, so one thing we you asked about was a positive example. We talked about your sun moon, but you also have Venus, Trine, Saturn. 
like almost exact. So this also points to how when it comes to love, you want something that is stable and committed and someone who is like, you know, has their shit together kind of. It's like someone who's really going to be there for you and very loyal. I have that. (laughs) Yes, I know. It's so beautiful. So, So that's an example of like a trine aspect, like in love and committed relationships, that flows really easily for you. Like if you were looking for flings, that probably wouldn't flow as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, an unharmonious aspect that you have in your birth chart is the moon opposing Uranus. And this is super exact. Like it's freaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and what this means for you is like Whenever you have an opposition, it just shows two energies that are almost like a seesaw. Like on the one hand, you want to have all of that moon in Leo in the fifth house energy, which is all about like getting your inner child to see the spotlight, being like playful, spontaneous, like really deeply like independent and like expressing yourself freely, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like. And also like wanting a ton of belonging. Like that is something you are here for, like genuine connections and people seeing you. Whereas on the flip side, you have this Uranus pull where it's kind of like, ooh, but I want independence. <laughs> like, so even though you want that belonging of Leo, you also want independence. Um, and these energies aren't necessarily totally opposite because as you grow, you kind of learn to be like, okay, like I can have relationships that respect my independence. Like those can go one in hand and I can express myself fully and playfully and spontaneously while also feeling like that Uranus energy um, doesn't get in the way of that. Where it's kind of like when you're having, you can kind of feel like Uranus kind of wants to shake things up too much. So like Mm -hmm. kind of learning to balance that. Absolutely. That is truly like couldn't be more on point as for like something I've really experienced like over the last year, recognizing that I'm not like, like, yes, I want this belonging, but I also want to be myself. And I don't, and I've barely scratched the surface of figuring it out. So I love that example. Um, Oh, sorry. I wanted to say too, what's so cool about this is you have transiting Saturn passing over this like right now you're starting to feel it and it's going to be there for another like three months so this is a lesson I wanted to bring up because again it's like there's so many things going on in your birth chart but this is really a focus for you right now like how can you kind of balance these two parts of wanting to like give to other people versus being there for yourself so like taking on responsibility versus also giving yourself time for like that inner child play and such and since Saturn is passing over it, that would mean that it's like creating boundaries around it? Also, yes. Okay. <laughs> the okay. work-life balance is like a big thing for you right now. Oh my God. Literally, that's been the theme of my week. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Okay. So another thing that you – like since we're talking about like maps of life or like long-term understanding of self, like how – I and in our reading, I was surprised because I hadn't really thought about this before about how – the future transits can indicate changes in your life. Like how do you go about figuring out what those are in the future and preparing for them and like not getting too scared of them? Mm, I love that. Okay. So um, yes. So one thing to look at in future transits is I like to kind of think of 
like first you can look at the moon, but that has a very short transit time. So it only spends two and a half days about in each sign versus Saturn, for example, we just discussed is going to be in everyone's in, in Aquarius for everyone for the next two years. So that might be a great place for oh people God. to start by um, Saturn is the planet of kind of like, okay, this is a lesson that you are here to learn right now. So your focus should be here. And with Jupiter there as well with the great conjunction that happened in December, it's like extra focus there. <laughs> um, so for you, this shows up in a different way because it's placed in your 11th house and the aspects it's making in your birth chart. But for anyone listening, um, look to see where where um, Aquarius is in your birth chart right now and see where it's showing up. And if you're around the ages 20 to 30, you're going through you're like that is the time when everyone goes through their Saturn return thereabout. So it it'd be really beneficial to look into that. Wow, yeah. I think the Saturn Saturn is such a big deal, at least in my life right now. Yes. It's it's crazy. So does that mean that lesson I'll be going through will be happening for the next two years? Yes. <laughs> you know but what? What, what the beautiful yeah. thing is though is like Saturn, um, I always find for myself and my clients that Saturn, when it's there for the first like couple months, like the first six months specifically, when it changes signs is so much more experienced as much more stressful, much more inner tension because you realize very clearly like this is an energy that you have to integrate more into your life in a in a way that's more Saturn. So like, okay, if it were showing up in your fifth house, for example, it'd be like, okay, how can I in, in my romances, I don't have a lot of time. So like, how can I allow myself to really be, I don't want to say picky about the people you choose to like go on dates mm. with, but like really getting clear on like, okay, I have a limited time, a limited amount of energy. So who do I want to give that time and energy toward? Okay. That makes total sense. So then another thing you mentioned was that like a year from now, there could be a big change in my life. And I don't mm -hmm. specifically remember what that is, but like, yeah. how, what are the examples of that in my chart and what can people look for? Okay. For so that? this is, this is a really kind of like a fun, easy thing to do for people listening, just getting into astrology. Um, there are things called eclipses, which happen about every six months. And it's basically like a supercharged full moon and a supercharged new moon. And that points to if it falls in a part of your birth chart that already has a lot of planets especially, it kind of shows that it'll be a big time for change and transformation for you. So for you, Alexis, I was telling you how in the spring, in May and June, those eclipses are going to trigger your – it's going to fall in the house of your sun and your stellium. So it's going to be a huge time for like kind of questioning, okay, how, who am I? How do I want to show up going forward? Like and how can I express myself more authentically? Like that's going to be mm -hmm. a huge change in every area of your life because eclipses, when they fall there, are like so powerful. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> so look, everyone, so those, yeah. those change every six months then? Exactly. And it's not like um, the eclipse happens in May and June and you're done. 
right? Um, It's kind of an energy shift. So like maybe you've been on kind of cruise control for a while in an area of your life and the eclipses move into that area of your life symbolized by the houses and they kind of like trigger you to like wake up in some air and be like, ooh, okay, like I have renewed energy, kind of like a burst of energy in this area. So then you're able to work with that energy in a way that's constructive and positive for you if you're really tuned in and aware of that, you know? Mm, And so like being tuned in and aware, I know some people have like um, rituals that they do with like eclipses or new moons Mm -hmm. or full moons. Like what what about you? Like do you have those rituals or what do you recommend for people? Oh my gosh. I have so many rituals. Um, Yes. So I'm a Taurus suns and a Scorpio moon. So if anyone listening knows astrology at all, that is like super intense energy. And um, I basically, it means like I'm also really tuned into full moons because I was born on a full moon. So actually, if you look in your birth chart, you can see like what type of moon were you born under and you might find that you're more tuned into full moons versus new moons based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexis, you were born when it was like a it wasn't a full moon or a new moon, but it wasn't like a fire sign. So like whenever there's a full moon or a new moon involving fire signs, you might feel it like even more forcefully, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like for rituals, kind of like learning, okay, what moons are, first of all, most important to me. And then when the eclipses come, kind of getting clear on your intentions for that. So for full moons, um, you might feel like, You really want to focus on releasing. So doing deep self-reflection, being very objective during this time is just bound to be that much easier. But we can also tend to be really critical of ourselves. So just being Mm -hmm. mindful that you're being gentle as you self-reflect. But I always journal like what do I want to let go of and release so that way I can make space for things that actually lift me up and fuel me. Mm, That makes sense. And then a new moon would be different than that? Yeah, so so that's full moons or lunar eclipses. And then for new moons or solar eclipses, that is all about setting new intentions. It's where the sky appears to be dark, like you can't see the moon. So I like to think of it like fertile black earth for like planting the seeds that you want to see harvested at the full moon. Mm-hmm. And, and these happen every two weeks. So it's like pretty so, often. So what is interesting, so like new and full moons happen, right, like every two weeks. And then the eclipses only happen every six months. Mm. So what's so fascinating about it is like the eclipses really – it's because they fall on nodes. And nodes is, is like a whole nother thing. But basically – Every six months, it's like a supercharged new moon. So not just setting intentions for the next, you know, month ahead, but the next six months ahead. That's the big difference there. And so um, when was the last time that happened? So that was in November, December, where we had the last eclipses. And then if you think back even further, it was last June, July. So maybe thinking about what big changes, what like sometimes they're obvious. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Seems pretty clear. We had like George Floyd, and we had the election exactly. in those times. Exactly. So, th- like, what's really interesting about eclipses is they affect us individually, but also huge on a collective wake up call level. 
Mm, yeah clearly so then like you said like i will be having those in gemini and sagittarius in may june so it'll be a supercharged feeling for me then as opposed to like every two to four weeks in a new moon like those are those are less intense exactly okay Oh, this, I'm, I'm asking you all these crazy questions, but I these were all that everyone has been asking um, online and, of course, my own selfish questions so I can understand <laughs> how to use this better as a tool going forward. Yes, but- that is what I want for people. Like, astrology is such a beautiful tool. I don't know how – like, I marvel at how we were able to, over thousands of years, uh, create this, like, ability to read – the planets in relation to ourselves. It's so cool. And it it actually used to not be available to commoners, you know, like people, like everyday people. Um, Like thousands of years ago, you could only get a personal birth chart if it were like a king or a queen. Oh my God, no way. I know. So I always find it's like, oh, this is so empowering, you know, like this knowledge. It's democratized now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Like, Everybody can do it. Everybody can work on themselves and everyone can learn from it. And um, even though I do still feel like people think it's like a weird thing, like what do you (laughs) say to – what do you say to that? Yeah, like like weird just generally, (laughs) like just kind of like out there. Is that what you mean? Yeah, or people who are like it's it's not real or like they sort of look down upon it. Okay, so for that, it's I'm going to give you an answer that is just kind of – I don't know if it answers the question, but I really feel like people find astrology as a tool that's useful for them and they'll believe it when the time comes. Like it always mm. is indicated by their birth chart, ironically, but that they <laughs> feel like called to it because I've had people being like come to me for a reading like, I can't believe I'm here. I never believed in this. And then all of a sudden, like – they're just like, this is insane. It's so accurate. So I would say like, just give it a try. And of course, astrology is not going to be for everyone. And that's a beautiful thing too. Like not every toolkit has to be for everyone. And there's always some, so I never like try to convince people (laughs) that it works. Um, Mm. But I would just say that like, just keep an, if you keep an open mind, I'm sure you'll stumble across it at some point and see if it's right for you. I love that. See, another positive outlook on things. I love to see it. So where can everyone find you if they want to book a reading or follow you on Instagram, your podcast, everything for for you? Yes. So um, my name is Maxine Luthia. So you can find me at Maxine Luthia on Instagram. That's M-A-X-I-N-E-L-U-Z-I-A. Or you can send me an email at MaxineLuthia at gmail.com. And of course, listen to the podcast hosted by myself and my co-host, Alice. It's Astrology and You. And we release a podcast episode every Sunday all about astrology. And we also released a Patreon if you're interested in like taking workshops with us. We're going to have a full moon one this month, but it changes up every month. Exciting. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on, Maxine. And I can't wait to keep learning from you. Oh, thank you so much, Alexis. Thank you so much for listening to the Too Smart for This podcast. Be sure to leave a review if you liked it. It takes two seconds. And follow the show on Instagram at Too Smart for This Pod. Check back every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes. And make sure to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Alexis Barber for more content about lifestyle, health, and career. And don't forget, you're too smart to not love yourself. Thank you.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.